0: The reading this morning is taken from Mark 6, verses 30 to 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him that all that they had done and taught, he said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourself and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away to the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups and hundreds, in of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all and all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. Amen.
1: Thank you, Hilary, very much indeed. So it's a great delight to welcome Matthew Skirton this morning. Please come and join me on the stage, Matthew. And thank you so much for coming. And uh, we're looking forward very much to what you've got to share about the work of OM and uh, God's word to us this morning. So we pray God's blessing to you. I actually had uh, your most recent uh, magazine came through this week. Haven't had a chance to read it through yet, but uh, we'll soon do. Well, thank you. Thank you Paul and thank you for the welcome. This morning, it's a, a great privilege to be able to be with you and to share. And I understand that uh, you have been thinking about the subject of hope and living hope. And I'll be sharing this morning about the importance for us as Christian believers to be sharing that hope with those around us, with those we meet. Maybe as a word of introduction, um, it was mentioned at the beginning of the service, I'm here with my wife, Helen and uh, two boys, David and James. Our three girls have stayed at home and they're involved in uh, church activities around the Oswestry area. That's where we, where we live now. Um, we only moved to England a couple of years ago. Uh, for the previous 23 years, we've been living in Eastern Europe in the country of Moldova. <clears throat> and some of what I'll share this morning will be Uh, drawing on some of our experiences uh, serving on the mission field there in in Moldova mainly but also traveling a lot into Romania Ukraine and Russia and involved in Christian ministry there so we've looked and read the text this morning which is Matthew chapter 6 excuse me verses 30 to 44 And I don't know what you were thinking, if you were concentrating as we looked through that text together, but I'd just like to pray, uh, praying and trusting that the Lord would uh, continue to speak to us through his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can meet here and we thank you for your word, which is living and active, working in our lives. Lord, as we have read your word, and as we look now to your word, I pray that you would speak to us. Father, it's incredible that you might want to meet with us, to reveal yourself more to us. And I pray that you would give us open minds and open hearts as you speak. We pray that you would help us to listen. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we have this quite well-known story of Jesus together with his friends, the 12 disciples. And the friends of Jesus have been out traveling around from village to village, speaking about the kingdom of God, teaching people about what it means to know God and live in relationship with him. The disciples had spent time with Jesus and now Jesus has sent them off and they are teaching others about him. And we read that at the beginning of our text, the disciples come back to Jesus and they report to him everything that they've done and they've seen. God has been doing miracles through them. Would have been the most extraordinary thing. They come back excited, but I don't know if you noticed, they're also tired and it says that they're hungry. The crowds have been gathering around them wherever they went. The crowds are keen to hear the good news of the kingdom of God. And the disciples have come back from this short-term mission trip and they're pretty exhausted. But the crowds keep on coming because everybody wants to be close to Jesus. There's something special about this man. They're saying he's the Messiah, the Son of God. So the crowds are gathering around. The disciples are responsible for organizing the crowds. They're tired. They're hungry. And Jesus looks at them and he recognizes their need. Jesus understands his friends. And he says these words, come aside, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Now maybe we could just pause and think about those words of Jesus now. Spoken 2,000 years ago to his friends. But do those words speak to us? Does that invitation speak to us this morning? Jesus, the Son of God, saying, come with me to a quiet place. Jesus saying, I want to spend time with you. Wow. Wouldn't that be something? Spending time with the Lord Jesus. And we see that Jesus has arranged, some of them have a boat, and he says, let's get into this boat, let's go across this lake and escape from the crowds, and let's just spend quality time together. I wonder if you have accepted that invitation that Jesus says, come to me, come into the boat if you like. Let's spend time together. And the disciples needed that. Those friends of Jesus, they needed that time alone with Jesus. And so they set off on this little boat trip. They have a packed lunch, a few sandwiches, some loaves of bread, and some fish. And they're spending time with the Lord. We, we understand it's a beautiful spring day, it says the grass is green. And there they are, going off on a picnic with Jesus. Just them in the boat together with the Lord. And I think of that picture and I I imagine, well, how is it for us as friends of Jesus, followers of Jesus, Christians today? Surely many of us have accepted that invitation and are in the boat with him. And your boat is... Very nice, it's quite large. It's got an extension at the back. Really quite an impressive boat. And it's safe in the boat, isn't it? Here we are, talking about Jesus, worshipping him, praying to him, looking at his word. It's safe, it's comfortable in the boat with Jesus. The disciples have accepted that invitation. We today, 2,000 years later, have that same invitation to be together with Him in the boat. And it's then that we start to experience the life that only He can offer. You're doing this study and concentrating and considering what it means to experience the living hope, living in relationship with God through Jesus. And when we accept that invitation, isn't it wonderful? We are accepted and we are forgiven and we are blessed to be with him and we can grow in our relationship with him and he provides for us and he looks after us and he guides us and shows us the way we should go. It's wonderful to be in the boat with Jesus. It's wonderful when we have accepted that invitation. And I guess as that picture stays up on the screen, the question that we have to ask is, are we in the boat? Have you accepted that invitation? Well, the disciples were there in the boat with Jesus. They were safe. They were comfortable. Everything was going well. And there they are relaxing on this beautiful spring day. And then one of them looks out to the shore. And what does he see? There's something moving on the banks of that huge lake. Looks like it's not people, is it? Hey, John, you're the youngest. You've got best eyes. What, what, what's, what's happening out there? And it, the, the realization dawns on the disciples that the crowds have seen them leaving in the boat and they've worked out where they're going and they're going around the lake and they're waiting for them on the other side of the lake. Now, how do you think the disciples feel at this moment? Oh, we've just escaped the crowds. Remember, they're tired, and they're exhausted, they're they're, they're hungry. Jesus had said it would just be them, alone, in the boat. And yet, they look at the crowds of people, and they look at Jesus, and they see that look in Jesus' eyes, that look of compassion. Did you see verse 34? When Jesus landed, he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, what happens to sheep who don't have a shepherd? I know here in England all the the fields are all um, fenced off, so we don't need shepherds, but there in Eastern Europe for these last years, we, we often would see shepherds leading their sheep. And the shepherd protects the sheep, and the shepherd keeps the sheep together and leads them to where they should be going to the safe good pastures and so Jesus uses this picture of saying there's so many people who are going through life as if they don't have any direction there are so many people who don't experience that protection and that guiding and that leading and that blessing that comes by being close to the shepherd Jesus looked at the people and he saw they were like sheep without a shepherd. I guess I need to ask the question, do you know the shepherd? Are you walking with the shepherd? Are you allowing allowing him to lead you and guide you? Jesus saw that many people had no experience of the shepherd and he had compassion upon them. Now the disciples looked at the crowds of people, Jesus looked at the crowds of people, those who were outside the boat, How about today, when we as friends of Jesus, followers of Jesus, when we are here safe in the boat, spending time with him, what happens when we look outside the boat? What happens when we glimpse what's happening in our world? We're sometimes confronted with all sorts of incredible situations, terrible situations, This last week, we've all been following the situation in Indonesia with this uh, earthquake, tsunami, horrendous suffering, loss of life. People who are living and realizing they've lost family members, they've lost homes, everything. And then, of course, we go from Indonesia to the ongoing situation in Syria and terror attacks and all sorts of fear and problems and difficulties in our world. We think of the situation on the Bangladesh-Myanmar border where this people group, the Rohingya people, 900,000 of them who have had to flee Myanmar because of ethnic cleansing, because of persecution, are Muslim people who are, who are suffering, living in terrible conditions just across the border in Bangladesh. Out of those 900,000, estimated 600,000 are children. And many of them very vulnerable and and horrendous situations of people being trafficked and terrible things happening. We come across situations amongst uh, the, the poorest of the poor in India, 250 million of the lowest caste, the Dalit peoples, who have, set, who have faced um, slavery and, and persecution for centuries and centuries living in horrendous situations, no hope, no hope for those children growing up with no possibility of an education. And daily we are confronted with these sort of situations and suffering that that is going on in our world all around us. And then As we continue to glance and look outside the boat and see the crowds of people, of course, we recognize the spiritual need of people in our world. We're told that there are 7.6 billion people sharing the planet with us and 2.8 billion of them have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? 2,000 years after Jesus lived and taught and discipled and sent his friends out to share the good news, 2,000 years later, still 40% of the population of our world have never heard this wonderful good news, have never had the opportunity of understanding what it means to be safe in the boat with Jesus. Jesus looked outside the boat and he saw The situation of the crowds of people. He had compassion on the people. The disciples looked outside the boat. We see that they also had some sort of compassion recognizing the needs. But today, we are the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Do we see these 2.8 billion people recognizing their needs? They've never had the opportunity of hearing about the living hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. 1.5 billion people have no access to the Bible in their own language. It's extraordinary, isn't it? In the year, or in the 21st century, so many people, 6,000 people in unreached people groups, groups, ethnic, linguistic groups of people, amongst whom there is no Christian church. How can this be? We are safe in the boat. We have a hope in Jesus, but so many have never heard that Jesus truly is the way and the truth and the life. And he says very clearly, there is no other way to the Father except through him. There is no way of salvation except through Jesus Christ. That's what the scriptures teach us. And we look outside the boat and we see the situation around the world. But how about close to home? Here in the the UK, we're told that in the last few years, more than 2 million people, not just the UK, but Europe, more than 2 million people, refugees, have entered our continent. Many just been washed up on the shores of the countries of Europe. 2 million people I'm told that in the UK there's 106 different people groups and 32 of those people groups are unreached peoples who have never had the opportunity of hearing the good news of Jesus amongst whom there is no Christian church that's 4.9 million people just in the United Kingdom amongst whom there is no uh, church in their own language God is bringing the peoples to us. We look outside the boat. We recognize the needs of people around the world, but we also are called perhaps to open our eyes and recognize the needs of people here in our own country. I mentioned at the beginning that my wife and I lived in Eastern Europe. We we met at college in, uh, in London and then joined OM, this Christian mission, and we were just going to go out for one year or two years and then two years and then um, move on to something else. But it was in those first couple of years serving, living in Moldova, that God really started to speak to us about the needs, the needs that there are in the world, the needs for people to hear the good news and to experience the good news of Jesus Christ. I remember. One evening, we, it was a Saturday evening, we were helping in a church plant in a very small rural town in, uh, in Moldova, a town called Nispren. And there had been a lady who had been coming along to the church and bringing her children along to this little house church we were planting. And so we went and visited Ria on this Saturday evening. And we wanted to try and encourage her. We wanted to encourage her to keep bringing the children along and, and, uh, you know, can we pray with her and encourage her in her new faith? And we found this little house where she was living. No electricity, no heat, no gas, no running water. She was living in really difficult conditions. We went into this little two-room hut, and there was Rhea and her mother, and two small children sitting on this homemade bed, and there was a table, and the only light and heat was this homemade beeswax candle. They seemed to heat some, a pot over that, some weeds and things which they'd make into a soup. We'd never seen such difficult conditions, such poverty. Lord, what can we do? How can we encourage this lady? And we stayed, and we prayed with her, and we encouraged her to keep coming along to the church, and as we were leaving, I glanced at the adjacent room and I saw that lots of boards had been taken up from the, from the floor and I asked if they were doing repairs and what they were doing, if they were going to be extending the house. And Ria was very embarrassed, but she eventually told us. She said, a couple of weeks ago, my father died. And because we didn't have any money to pay for the funeral and pay the priest and build a coffin, well, we took the floorboards up from our house and we built a coffin and we buried my father. And I can remember, together with Helen, not knowing what to say and going back to our little apartment in this town, getting on our knees and praying, Lord, what can we do? What can we do? There are so many people. Rhea was one of 47,000 people in our region. There was hardly any Christian believers there. And such poverty, such need for people to have their lives transformed. What could we do? And it was as if the Lord spoke, not in an audible voice, but just saying, Matthew, do you see Do you see? Do you recognize the needs? Look outside the boat. You're safe in the boat. You know the Lord Jesus. You're living a relationship with God. You're forgiven. You're accepted. You will be in heaven for eternity. But there are so many who are outside the boat and who have never had the opportunity of hearing. Well, Jesus saw the crowds the disciples also saw the crowds and it's interesting i i i find it amusing what they say to jesus you know at the end of that sermon that jesus preaches the disciples come alongside jesus and they say look it's getting late and it's, uh, you know, the people people are hungry. (laughs) It's not them that's hungry. The people are hungry, and they're tired, and it's dangerous, and there's some kids here, and it's getting dark, and it'll be dangerous if they go back too late to their homes. Lord, send them away. Send the crowds away so that they can get something to eat. It's interesting, isn't it, that the disciples are advising Jesus and telling Jesus what he should do. Lord, you need to do this. Maybe that's reflective sometimes of our prayers as Christians, isn't it? Lord, we recognise the needs. Oh, the terrible things happening in Indonesia. Lord, please provide for those people. Lord, we recognise the needs around the world for the gospel to be preached. Please send out missionaries. Lord, we recognise the needs in our community here. Please use our pastor to preach the gospel and to make a difference we advise Jesus and tell him what he should do and maybe those aren't bad prayers but for me Jesus's response is key it doesn't say it in the text but I think he probably smiles when he says this in verse 37 he turns to his friends and he says why don't you do something Why don't you feed them You are telling me that you recognize the need. You're telling me that these people need to be fed. They need help. They need to go go home. They, They need to be looked after. Jesus says to his friends, why don't you do something? This is where it gets a little difficult, isn't it? Jesus turns to us who are safe in the boat. Why don't you do something? Why don't you feed them? Oh, but, but, but Lord, I, I couldn't. That's when the ex- excuses start to flow, isn't it? Lord, how can I feed the poor? How can I help people in Asia and the other side of the world? I can't teach. I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't stand in front of people and, and, and help them. I can't house the poor in India. I can't help drug addicts. I can't share my faith with my neighbours. I can't educate children in India, I can't go as a missionary somewhere, I can't do anything Lord there's nothing I can do it would, it would cost me too much that's basically what Philip and the friends there say, Lord it would cost us too much are you sure you want us to spend all that money blow eight months of the missions budget Just on one meal for 5,000 men and there's women and children and a huge group of people. Lord, it would cost too much. That's what they're saying, isn't it? It would cost us too much to get involved. It would cost us too much to help. Let's just stay in the boat. Let's just be safe. Just us and Jesus. I was thinking about this fairly recently The leader of our mission work in Africa was visiting, excuse me, and Melvin was telling me about the challenges, the vision that we have in Africa to see 500 new workers raised up and sent to 350 communities where there is no gospel witness. Planting new churches, establishing mission centers that we can help transform lives and communities, providing education for children who aren't being educated, helping people with relief and development and business projects, but also sharing the good news of Jesus. And Melvin <clears throat> excuse me, Melvin told me of a phone call that he had just received. I won't say the country, but we've sent some workers into this country. And they're living in very difficult conditions. It's very dangerous for them to be sharing their faith. And he said, they just called me and said this. Melvin, the work is progressing. People are coming to faith. Lives are being transformed. Children are being educated. But our lives are in danger. We're being threatened. Many people are saying they're going to kill us. Melvin, we want you to promise us one thing. If we are killed, please send others in our place to continue this work. Wow. We talk of the cost. Lord, it would cost me too much to get involved. It would cost me too much to help. And there we have... Brothers and sisters who are willing to lay down their lives for the furtherance of the gospel so that people outside the boat would experience that same living hope that we also experience. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome and he said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a wonderful promise. Again, a reminder, if we accept that invitation to come into the boat with Jesus, We will be saved. We will experience a new life. But he goes on to say, the problem is, how can they call on the one that they've not believed in? And I like the logical progression. And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how can someone preach unless they are sent? Oh, and by the way, if you do go, you've got beautiful feet. That's basically how he finishes it. But you see this. There are so many people who have never heard. And how will they hear unless someone goes? Unless someone is willing to go and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Coming across some statistics recently, I think they'll come on the screen. We understand that 85% of all our Christian mission work is aimed at at other Christians or those who would claim to be followers of Christ. As Christians, it's said that we spend 98% of our wealth on ourselves. And only 1% of money that Christians give to mission work is actually spent amongst the least reached. And yet, remember those statistics at the beginning? 40% of the population of the planet have never had the opportunity of hearing of Christ. And yet, well, this is perhaps... Part of the reason. Surely it's unacceptable for us when we recognize the needs of those outside the boat. Surely it's unacceptable that we should keep this hope that we have to ourselves. Aren't we called to go? One of the great privileges that I have in in serving with OM is glimpsing something of what God's doing around the world through OM teams. We have teams in 118 countries around the world. We have a ship, the Logos Hope. Some of you, I'm sure many have heard, the Logos Hope sailing from country to country. 400 people on board. Wherever we go, partnering with churches, sharing the love of Christ, preaching the good news of the gospel. We just, in our office based in in Shropshire, we have people coming through all the time. We have 400 Brits who are serving with OM around the world. Just had a young couple from from London who have been serving in Kosovo set up a a house, a house of joy for women who are very vulnerable, who have been trafficked, and they've set up this house, a safe place where they can come to know that there is hope, that there is a future. The ministry we've just heard in in the last days in Myanmar continues to flourish, I mentioned the Rohingya refugees and the ministry there. Incredible opportunities of sharing the love of Christ. But there was just a a great flood after the typhoon in that part of the world. And our teams are having opportunities of going and demonstrating Christ's love. In Madagascar, we've just got a report of a group of young ladies who have been serving with us for some years. And they are going by foot from village to village, teaching English and sharing Christ. And whole villages are turning to Christ. You wouldn't believe the incredible reports we're hearing from Madagascar. Lives being transformed by the hope of glory. Guatemala, the Logos Hope is present in Guatemala. And partnering with churches, seeing tens of thousands of people being touched by the good news of Jesus. But these places that I mentioned, I don't have time to to go on and talk more about all of these places, but they have a number of things in common. One of them, incredible opportunities for the hope that we have in Christ to be shared. But the other is the reality that the harvest is plentiful. And how does that finish? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And this is what we're seeing all around the world. Incredible opportunities to share the faith that we have in Christ, but a need for more people who are willing to say, Lord, can you use me to make a difference? The crowds outside the boat are waiting. Rather than just advise Jesus and tell him what we think he should do, maybe we should hear his voice saying to us, You feed them. You do something. But Lord, what can I do? I can't do anything, can I? Towards the end of the time that we had in Moldova, uh, Helen and I had an opportunity of writing a book sharing about the experiences that we had seeing God working in us and working through us. We've got copies of it if you're interested after the service. But let me read what I wrote on the back. Maybe this will resonate with some people. Christians are boring and going to church is dull. Sure, sure that's not the case here. God, if he exists, is irrelevant to me and the plans I have for my life. He surely does not call people to serve him on the mission field today, or so I thought. And it's my story, our story, understanding that God can use ordinary people to bring the good news of Jesus. So anyone who wants to pick up a copy, please do. Maybe especially if there's young people, you know young people who perhaps come along to church but sometimes find it boring. Maybe some of of my experience will resonate with them. But as I come to an end, let's just look at the final verses here. Jesus says to his friends, how many loaves do you have? Go, Go and see, what do you have? Oh Lord, we're embarrassed. I only have five loaves and two fish. It's so little. What, what, can, I, what can I offer to God? Well, Jesus says, bring, bring to me what you have. And as the disciples bring those loaves and offer them to Jesus, he receives them, he gives thanks, he blesses them. And then Jesus gives them back to the disciples. And that's where the miracle happens. And then the disciples can meet the needs of the people. They offer what they have to the Lord, and the Lord gives it back to them. God can use us if we're willing to offer what we have, even if we think it's very little. Offering it to him. Lord, would you use this to make a difference in our world? The disciples started the day they were tired and they were hungry, Did you notice at the end how many baskets of loaves and fish were left over? Twelve baskets. That's interesting, isn't it? How many disciples were there? Twelve. God had used them, opened their eyes to see the needs. He had worked through them and blessed the crowds, and at the end of the day, well, there was something left over for them as well. They were blessed as they were being a blessing. Friends, God has given us a living blessing hope let's be aware of those who have not yet experienced that hope let's look at the crowds who are outside the boat let's recognize their needs let's recognize that we are called to go and to share the hope we have with all those around us let's remember that Jesus said you do something you feed them You go and make a difference for my kingdom. Amen.